permit me uh, to to provide a, a couple of ideas. Uh, now, in my recollection, I didn't go to a fancy law school. A cop salad does not have any constituents or grooms. No crotons. That 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 agrees with the deposition that we took a little earlier. Uh. Hello. Hey, uh, Merlin. Hey, Dad. How, How are, you? are you doing? Yes. <clears throat> I need to sleep. I'm so tired. Oh my god. Really? Oh man, it's bad. Is this live? We are live. Yeah. Um. Hi. Hey. Did you um? Did you mention that you were? Uh, tell me if I can say this. But did you mention you were out kind of late last night? I was out until three. I was well two two something is when I arrived back in my my house. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. That's late. That is late. Yeah. I had, I had a late night too, from not your, as late as that. Your fancy town. Oh, you, you're just getting back. Yeah, I just got back and uh what and you're a, doing what the show. Function. You're here doing the show you're already. Doing the show with you. I ate I something, you. I feel better. Good. You're a pro. <clears throat> you <clears throat> <clears throat> You are a uh man. <clears throat> Hard to find a way into this one, isn't it? Got to worm that, your way back in. Mm-hmm. I watched a film at the airport. We had a uh, seven-hour flight delay. Ugh. Oh, and, that's hell, oh, Dan. Yeah, so I watched the film. Mm. I always have it with me. Yeah. that's You know what? You should always have that. You know, it used to be a paperback book. I think Howard Hughes' uh, biography <laughs> is a nice thing to have with you all the time. You you need the film, and you need to know that you can you can cue it up on any device at any time. Mm. I mean, do you read the Torah one time? You you only need to read it once, and you need to touch it with your yod. Mm. <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is that what it's called? <laughs> I think so. That's the very... I've been making that joke about the stick for years, and that's the very first time I've ever heard the proper name for it. Yod. Yod. I think it's a yod. Yeah, the... Well... So, it sounds like somebody from Boston talking about their lawn. It's the little pointer. I don't think it's a yod, and I think that's the yud is the letter. Hmm. Pointer at the Torah. You know, I, I have to take my own advice. No, it's, it have, is a yod. Y-A-D. Y-A-D. Yeah. And it's got, it's got a vowel, so it's cool for you to actually say it. It's literally hand. Huh. Huh. Ain't that, ain't that, ain't that ironical? It, it is. Huh. In our show notes. I'm tired, Dan. <clears throat> Do you feel out of it a little bit? I felt, I felt, I've hit my, just in time for the show, I hit my second, uh, wind. Hmm. Huh. I had a lot of garlic last night, so I had a second wind. That does something to me now but also. It does something. Sign I, uh, of the times. I made steak last night and then I decided to, uh, to saute some mushrooms and then I threw in some garlic. Oh. Oh boy. That's like, that's like thinking you can have that extra Jägermeister when you're young. Seven hours in there. Seven hours. That's a, t- you know what? That's a topic. Spend that might seven be a topic. hours in there. Yeah, that's, that might be a topic. Because, because let me ask you this, and I don't, I don't want to make the show about productivity. <laughs> no, <clears throat> don't, don't do that. <clears throat> um, <laughs> when does it end? <laughs> Never. It okay. gets deeper and deeper. You know, um, one of our, one of my, one of our listeners, one of my favorite listeners. I think it's uh, JXPX double O. Well, he's he's on the he's on the board of uh, he's on of, the mend. He's on the board of Yod. <laughs> he's one of the Yod holders. <laughs> We walk yod in yod. He's a card carrying yod holder. Woo! Uh, I think it was. I want to say. Uh, I'm probably going to pronounce the name wrong. Is it Kim Kim Rowan? It's one of the. Kim Rowan. One of the, yes. Okay. Got got a hat. They call it a yod. A yod. Yodica. Yod stick. 
Yadika, it's that movie with uh, <laughs> where they pick up your skin flex out of the turnstile. <laughs> right, and then incinerate them. Who is that? Was that Uma Thurman? Uma Thurman. Is that, is that who I'm thinking of? And John Malkovich and Glenn Close. Was Matt Damon in that at all? Uh, he was, uh, or was it Jude Law? It was, no, it was, uh, it was Jude Law played that. And in Matt Damon, you're thinking of, uh, that movie with the reunion oh, of all the, the friends summer and he's uncredited and it just yes. shows his body. He's a corpse. It just shows his body. And uh, I think you're role. thinking of, uh, of Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner. Oh yeah. He was in that movie. Uh, the, the unusual big, the big suspect, the, the unusual lightness of suspects. He mm-hmm. was in, um, Where he, he was, was in outer uh, space, a man from outer space. No one believed him. And he went back into his coma. Is that the one where he drank his tinkle? Uh, no, you're thinking of a uh, Penn and Teller show, the, uh, the oh, stage show. Right, right, right. Yeah. I figured out how that bullet thing works. Where he catches it in, in his, uh, yeah. Did you, ever, did you ever read about how they do it? We talked about this. We have, it's really the way it's a trick. This is why I hate magic, Dan. Anyway, Kevin Costner, I think he was the corpse. Yeah. He was the corpse. And, the corpse uh, bride. And the, the, the prince's corpse. Yeah. God damn. We should start over. I'm so tired. Um, uh, but here um, I am. So I've got yacht in hand. Seven hours. Yeah, <laughs> seven hours in the airport. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, it was worth it. It was a good trip. Got a lot done. Met with some sponsors. Met with uh, with a friend in downtown. Did you meet with any of your hosts? Nope, not this time. Mm-hmm. Just a friend. I thought you posted that photo of my, of my uh, daughter riding me like a horse. That was I a didn't cute post photo. it anywhere. No, I would you never can post it if you want. Uh, can I? Very cute yeah, photo. You can post any any photo of me. So Everything I who, say by definition is a promise. It's a promise. Any uh anybody for for the few folks that weren't there with Merlin and I uh at our private lunch. Right. Merlin did something after the lunch that uh shook me a little bit. I didn't say anything about it at the time. What? You got to meet my family. Are you, are you making fun of them? No. Um you did something during the meeting that uh was something I wasn't expecting. Can I share it? I think I don't know what it was. Okay, yeah. so Merlin was playing with his daughter. Love, first of all, your wife, who I've spoken to on the phone, lovely woman, uh, long-suffering woman, I'm sure. Tell her I said hi. And uh, your daughter is a thousand times smarter and cuter and, and more wonderful in person than she even seems in the videos, which are great. She's a little dim on the internet. Right, right. That's Thank yeah. you for saying that. I, I'm really glad that you, you are saying that. And so in playing with her, you... Did something that disturbed, disturbed. <laughs> and so you did the normal things a dad does. You know, you pick, pick the kid up, you spin her around. She's, you know, and then what you did is you went. And so let me describe our location. You, is it called Union Square? It's called Union Square. With the heart. A lot of foot traffic, a lot of gum on the ground. Most people in Union Square are either supremely wealthy or homeless. Mm. And you went down to the ground on your hands and knees let me say this again, hands and knees on the ground. Let's You're, be clear, my yod, my yod palms were <laughs> touching the yard ground. And you were, you were down there for a long, a long time on the surface, and you didn't immediately... Horses, horses don't have options. Right. right. So this was a little, your hands were touching the ground, the ground mm-hmm. of that place. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I does had... That not, uh, does, Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem with motorcycles. The problem with motorcycles that people don't understand is how much of the motorcycle per se touches the ground, mm. right? You get a big, mm, you get a big car, you get a big car with big, big tires and you think you got four tires, right? Mm-hmm. Two, two wheels, good, four wheels, better. 
to quote uh, Prefab Sprout. And, and the problem is with the motorcycle, you've got what? You've got probably you know, something like 14 square inches of motorcycle touching the ground. I don't yeah. know. As you know, I'm not a motorcycle expert. That gives you a lot less control. Now, in my case, I had a lot of my surface area touching San Francisco. Yeah, a lot. Was it distracting? No, I mean, I, it was adorable the way you were playing with your, with your daughter, sort of showing off even. Showboating. Mm-hmm. Is that what I was doing? Call mm-hmm. <laughs> being a dad. <laughs> It was good, <laughs> but then you... That's showboating. I guess. Look what at me, you? I have a daughter I'm with all the time. Look at me, I have a child I'm I have a child that I'm raising. Look what I can do. Huh. Well, I'm in San Francisco. Look at my kid. Maybe your kids can sit extremely still while two people chat for no, the first time. That was so... I loved seeing that because it's, it's no, exactly it what I go through every single time that I try to have a conversation with anyone other than my son, he is, you know, he's right there and wants to be, don't, why are you guys even talking? Like, you should be talking to me. That's kind of their job. I think so. You just roll with me. Yeah. You did great. I don't know how you kept her occupied while I was talking to your wife. It was amazing. Yeah. The cute haircut, huh? Yours? Hers. Oh, yeah. She just come back from the salon. Yes. Rather... Um, she did look was, great, and we had. Uh, excuse me, that was my phone. Sorry. We had. Uh, we had a. Uh, you and I had some food. Yeah, <clears throat> it was. It was really, really. It was nice. Really nice. What did we do? We went to the Disney store. Mm-hmm. Um, no watches. No watches. Did you ever find a watch? No, I mm. did find one for fifty dollars by the uh, hat store. But I oh, you went. You went it. to the hat store again, just in hopes that I could find you something. But no. Dan, you're so nice. I, I'm, I don't know if I can live up to a hat. No, you totally can, because all you've got is that straw boater. My boater. You the know what boater. I did, though? After, after having to spend so much time with you and see how handsome and uh, you are and how much your clothes fit, I went to a store <laughs> and I bought three shirts. Remember we passed by that Ben Sherman store? And yeah. I said, I, I got to buy more shirts. Do you know what I did? I went back and I bought some shirts. Are they, they buttoned fit, up? They fit me. Yeah, they got buttons. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're very well made. They're, they're a little costly, but everybody in there had tattoos, which made me a little iffy. Hmm. Um, so, 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 uh, oh, oh, you know what you got to talk about at the top of the show? You, you, your, uh, your titular, titular nominal reason. God, I'm so tired, Dan. Your titular nominal reason for appearing in San Francisco as you did was to make an appearance. And I'd like you to tell people about it because yeah. it was a very exciting appearance. Well, remind me when the show starts and I'll, I'll go into it. Okay. Uh, good week. Big week. Huge oh, got week. it. Woo. Seven hours. So, I, you know what? We're still coming back to that because that's the topic. Okay. Now, was this the, if, if the official titular nominal reason that you were in the Bay Area was to do this program? Uh, yes, that, that was the, yeah. as you would say, the impetus hmm. for the trip. Yard. Yeah, it was the yard for the trip. The yard's a crocodile. The yard stick for the reason. Uh, so we went up. Uh, <laughs> Talk to your mother like this, Tom. <laughs> no, so, that would be uh, Kathy Pepper in the Glass Menagerie. Thank you. I was invited to be a guest on uh, on the Twit this week in tech. That's a big deal. That's a very popular podcast, Dan. They've got it. They're they're up and coming. They've got a few downloads and they're working their way up. You know what they're doing? They, as they say in the industry, they're building out. <laughs> they, they're, they're get, they got a couple Shures. They got an SM57 and uh, some DSL, as they say. Yes. Isn't that a hell of a place they got there? Oh, yeah. What, what a... Uh... What a setup they have. It's like, a, it's like a Disney property. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. I mean, it, it's it really nice. Directed. I mean, there's like lots of stuff there. They've got hair lighting. Yeah. Everything. It's pretty and clean. It's, oh, it is clean. And so the, I had been a guest on uh, 
Tech News Today, the show that oh, on Twitter that Tom Merritt does. And I had been out. Uh, one of my sponsors invited me out to a an event they were having in Los Angeles, as you say. Mm-hmm. So I, I went out there. And while I was out there, I realized Tom Merritt was there. So I had lunch with Tom Merritt. Nice man. Super nice man. Very tall mm-hmm. and uh, slim. Clothes that fit. Clothes that fit him. Always good interviewer. Good interviewer. Good great man. interviewer. Good man. And he, and I said to him, I said, listen, I just want to go on, you know, clear things up here. I want to go on the record. And I think Leo hates me and I don't hate Leo. And he says, no, I don't that's, think. I don't. Why would you even say that? He says, I don't think Leo hates you. I think he Gosh. loves you. And I said, really? I said, well, I would love to meet him in person at some point. He said, oh, I, th- I think that would be great. I think he would love that. And a few days later, an email to my producer from uh, the Twitch show producer inviting me out. And I said, not only, not only, what, or inviting me to the show, I said, not only will I be on the show, I will come out to San Francisco again uh, to be on the show if they would like that. And they said, uh, they said they would like that. They would love that. And uh, because I knew that there was a couple sponsors that spend a lot with us that I owed a visit to. And I was hoping you and I could have a lunch, which we did. And uh, it was a great trip. And I was glad you to get to fake, fake, like my, fake, like my daughter to impress you. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, This Week in Tech is a very popular uh, podcast about uh, technology that comes out each week. And uh, Leo is the host. Uh, Leo, God, that guy isn't he's a, he's a gracious, uh, a good man, isn't he? Wonderful host. Bought us a great dinner too. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, ate well while I was out there. Did you? Mm-hmm. Were you able to mostly avoid gluten?s Yes, completely. Well, you read that guy the Riot Act at lunch. <laughs> what guy? What guy? You're like a Cobb salad lawyer. Oh, oh, that guy. I just that's asked him if it had gluten, and I asked him if it, if it was gluten free, and he. A glutens? He, oh, I nice. check. I check. That was a little bit ping pong. Well, he gave you kind of a. He did, he kind of did this. His lip was quivering the whole time. Did you notice this? Do you know him? A, yes, I do. It's called a tell. His name. His name's Donnie Tell. Donnie Tell. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Dan. Dan's up there, and, and he's up there with his with his glasses on his nose. He's like, Let me just do on, on cross. <laughs> <laughs> on cross. On cross. Permit me uh, <laughs> to to provide a, a couple of ideas. Uh, now. Right. In my recollection, I didn't go to a fancy law school. A cob salad does not have any constituents of glutens. No crotons. All right. right. That's his answer. Right. That, that, that agrees with the deposition that we took a little earlier. Uh, and then you got your cob salad and you seem pretty happy with it. It was a big ass. A big, thing. A big salad. Big butted. Yeah. Big butted cob salad. Made me want, you know what? My, turns out my lady had a cob salad the same day, completely independent. Hmm. Yeah, like she wasn't from, even there. Right. Tell her I said hi. I it's a lot like uh, something from that uh, Leonard Nimoy show. Do you say Nimoy? How do you say it? Nimoy. You say Nimoy? Yeah. What about the Submariner? How do you say that? Noble. Noble Submariner. Prince of Noble the Deep. Noble Submariner. Okay. Prince of the Deep. And isn't he technically the first mutant? I don't know why they say that. Yeah. But, but I guess. Well, Captain America is the first Avenger, which doesn't exactly make sense to me. But because I think he. He was alive earlier than the others. But technically that would be Thor because Thor is like a thousand years old. Oh, he's many thousand. If you read the, uh, sir, in the, uh, never mind, no spoilers. But Jason Aaron's good. Um, uh, you got Namor, uh, dog buns. Oh, did you see, so you saw the one, did you see the one where they go in the Mo factory? Did you see that? No, no. <gasps> is that the one where she says, oh, my, um, mama go go meter is going babies? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. 
BMO accidentally deletes some of his, her, sure, shiz. How do you say that? How do you, how do you say it's gender neutral? Shizzle. Uh, <laughs> BMO, <laughs> uh, I can't tell. Some people think it's a, a suicide attempt, and other people think it's a prank, but BMO deletes some of his, her drivers and has to go to the Mo factory. Oh, it's no, good. I haven't seen it. I got to see it. It's good. The bitch is back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask you something about, oh yeah. So anyway, do you want to tell me more about that? You, uh, you're on the show, Dan. Wonderful Dan. to meet Leo. I mean, Leo has done so much for, for us in this industry and, you know, made people say, you know, that, that if you look at what he's done to make doing this as a business work, I mean, that's, that's so important. I think to all of us who are doing this right now. Oh, at least something to him and what he's done. If we're making any money at all, because he turned he he showed that this could be a business, and mm-hmm. he set a standard for for doing this as a business. So it you was said really as, great. You, you said as much in a very gentlemanly way that was very uh, much an inspiration for you. I, I I agree with that point. I think that's that's something a lot, a lot of folks have said, and I agree with it. But I think the other thing that he did uh, has done, especially in the early days, was like. Yes, you can you can make it a business, but even before it was a juggernaut business, I think he showed that you could build a very large, loyal, and relatively broad audience mm-hmm. for something that was at the time seemed pretty obscure. I guess people like Adam Curry had been around and people had, had yeah. done podcasts, but But they were they were two guys talking about Star Trek with headsets on at two AM and he showed that this could be at least <laughs> as good as as real radio, right? <laughs> No offense huh? to John Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, <clears throat> and, Are you all right? uh, uh, You know what? I, I, I realized as I was making this coffee, I really don't want to say this. I think I might have gotten my daughter's cold. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I got that. It uh, tastes like Glenn huh. Beck in my throat. Glenn Beck? Yeah, the Glenn Beck taste in the back of your throat. <laughs> what does that taste like? You know what it tastes like. I don't. Like if you had too much Jägermeister in politics. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, I was on that, uh, I used to be on that Mac break weekly show. You were on that. Yeah. And, and when I started doing that show, pretty, it was pretty, pretty early in the life of that show. I don't remember, like in the first like 20 episodes or something of mm-hmm. it. But like, <clears throat> even then it was still like a, it wasn't a modest operation, but when he started that, what did he call it at the time? The cottage, which is a, the a, a, very, cottage, right. it's a very understated name for what that place is. I mean, that guy's got, he has an incredible, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't listen to that many podcasts. It's nothing against anybody. But when I went there to do Twit, uh, I went for the Steve Jobs Just Died episode. And uh, <clears throat> it's the first time I'd been there. And I was really, I knew it was going to be a big operation, but I had no idea he had so much like staff. I mean, like so many people, I guess maybe some people are interns or whatever, but like mm-hmm. there were a lot of people working there. Yeah. Were you, now wait, did you terrifying. go to his, his old... The Twit Cottage, or are you at the Brick House? Or you're talking about? You seen I'm both? I'm sorry, right? I was at the Brick House. The Brick House is the new one, and it's it's like amazing, it's mighty, 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 letting oh it all God. hang out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a heck of a thing. Yeah, we all went up there. It's uh, it's just far enough of a drive to be a little annoying. Nothing against the the Petaluma, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit of a jaunt because I don't like to leave the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it was a good experience. I listened to it. It was a two hour long podcast. So I, I flipped around a little bit, but <clears throat> it sounded really good. You sounded fantastic. You were very gracious. Uh, and uh, the parts of it that I, that I heard were, were great. Who's okay. that other guy? Who was the other guy? He's like from a, from a gadget thing. Uh, Tim Stevens is the guy who was the CEO 
of Engadget and has was in is no longer there. He couldn't really talk ab- about it, and we sort of assumed that he's been, well, he was fired because huh. it didn't seem like he was planning to not be there on that Monday. And then all of a sudden, the Monday he was there, he was gone, uh, and so he was not there in the studio. Uh, but he right. was brought in on Skype, so he's not there on the screen. That sucks. But what's it, weird it is here's what's weird. So it, for people who don't know, you are in your private office in San Francisco, and you have on you have a microphone in front of you. You've got some computers. You've got uh, some dander, and you've got headphones on. I got a sweet Hawkeye shirt too. Nice. And I am here in Austin, Texas, and I have some computers and a microphone and some headphones on. And the way they have this set up at Twit, they've got first of all the whole the whole place is a live studio. The whole place is yeah, on. Yeah, it's, it's like much, it's like much music. I mean, it's like they could go and do a segment. No, no, uh, so this is <laughs> it's just when like I went much up- music. Well, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but no, when, I, when I went up there to do show. when I uh, thank you, uh, first time Canadian. When I when I went up to, um, I think twice I went to Canada to do the the the, the show that he did in Canada, and uh, and I, we went to, it was uh, we went, went to much much music, mm-hmm. which is their MTV. It's like Canadian MTV. It's like MTV but nicer, more friendly. And uh, but no, but the, the, it was a big deal when they built this place in 1985 because they made it so that there's like mics everywhere. You could like shoot a segment anywhere in the building right. and there's like <clears throat> there's stuff going on everywhere anyway i interrupt you but but the place where you go and sit at that big table there's like booms like there's lighting there's like all it's hair like a whole thing you hmm? hair lighting i don't know what that means well that's that's so that when you're sitting down so if you got a dark bunny if you got a, a dark bunny or a runaway bunny whatever you have mm-hmm. it's going to illuminate it not a brown bunny. Mm-mm. But the light, okay, so the, all of this is set up, and they have a live studio audience sitting there looking at you. And then, like, so right now, I've got the big, you know, radio-style mic booms, and I've got, you know, they're all over the place. i got wires everywhere. i got the, the headphones on, everything. The way they have it now is you just sit at a desk, and there's cameras on you, and the, they've got a rotating sarcophagus it's really amazing what they have there and how it's all set up and then you get a live audience and you got leo sitting there in the in the big chair and i'm so used to having headphones on because i'm a i like i do like if i i could stream this and do video which we've done before uh but like to me this is radio we're doing essentially audio right radio whatever you call it theater of the mind theater of the mind and for them, it is absolutely, they're doing TV. And so Leo's got the little Agent Smith thing in his ear, mm-hmm. you know, with the little little coily cable coming down. He's they, call all it a, they call it a, a, a Coulson piece. A Coulson piece? Mm-hmm. I think you're thinking of, uh, no, I Agent, Agent Hill, who am I thinking of? American. It's a big time. No, no, no. They call it a, um, they, this is, uh, it's a big time operation. Oh, Was it a big. little overwhelming? Must have been a little overwhelming. Well, it's just... I know just enough so that it kept it from being really overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like I knew enough about what they were doing that it it, it was. Oh, the sarcophagus. You're talking about was Eileen there? <laughs> no, I don't. Isn't that her name? No, it's well, something that rotated would, around. She would run the uh, the uh, Agent Hill panel, like that the giant. But it was like a giant. Con- I think I know what you're talking about with the sarcophagus, like and a big a big like control thing. Yeah, and it spins and it, yeah. it goes to the, the underground layers. Anyway, this thing it's 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 a very impressive setup, and it's, it was really nice. And but here's the weird thing is I hear everything right now monitoring with these uh, with these headphones on. So I hear everything. So I hear you over the headphones. If they have a guest there. The you see the guests on multiple screens 
And then his voice or her voice is kind of coming from almost like from the back of the audience. It's like from the back of the, it's this booming voice of God. Well, let's say what we're not saying. There's no feedback. Well, there's no feedback. I don't know how they do it. There's no feedback. I don't know. But it's weird because like you, he just hear the guest's voice and it's like, yes, I'm, you know, and he's coming from the background. It's weird. It's like, eh, I don't know. It was, it's really it was really cool though. It was I really recorded cool. some I recorded some live podcasts, uh, mostly with Leo. I mean, like, uh, like I showed you, I showed you the place at the Apple Store where I met Scott Simpson. Right, that was during a, a recording, uh, really weird live recording. Um, and, and the thing is, when you normally when you do that, anybody who's had the bad fortune to hear a live podcast recording, oh boy, how exciting is that? Uh, <laughs> you you can't hear anything in the audience. Yeah, like you go to a MacWorld panel and it's it's so loud. And you don't get that with this. Yeah. Um, it's just really it's pre- professional, but it was so like, things were so different that it, it was, uh, but it was great. Great. Did you put there. that, did you put that into the show notes? A picture? Yeah. Um, I've got a picture. It's a panoramic image that I'm uploading right now to the milkshake. But, I mean, you put a link to the, to the twit thing. Yeah. The it's in the show notes. Five by five dot TV slash uh, B is in brothers. Two as in amigos. W as in wild slash one thirty. You get better and better. You're a pro, man. It was seven fun. hours. It was fun. Though. Seven hours. Seven hours in an airport. We got three sponsors to do, by the way. Three. What? I only saw one in the no, dingus. I got two. One, two. Oh, you're you're gonna like at least at least two of these three. And there'll be one that I hate, and then the audience will have to guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to come back and talk about uh, Wolverine season one. But first of all, hey Dan, uh, can you tell me about something you like? I can do that. You know what? I, I'm going to say these are these are not in a special order, are they? Okay. Hang well, on. Let me just check one second. Go ahead, Colin. Is there, uh, is there have these been stacked correctly? Are these in order of? Okay, they're not chronological. Okay. Okay. And and you, you've already adjusted for the articles. You've adjusted for the articles. Okay. Okay, we can do these in any order. Go ahead. Any order? All right. Good. <laughs> uh, our first sponsor today then is Busy Cal. Do you use Busy Cal? Uh, uh, use these guys? Do, do I use Busy Cal? Do you use Cal? Busy Cal? Are you familiar with this? Can I use a technical term? Go ahead. I use the living bejesus out of Busy Cal. <laughs> busy if Cal. the bejesus were dead, I would still use it. I Busy Cal, I'm going to let you finish, but I'm just going to tell you, like, I cannot imagine using calendars on my Mac no without way. Busy Cal. It's no the way. best. Tell, 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 tell the people about this. Well, obviously, from the name, you would guess that this has something to do with calendars. It does. Like, it won't, it won't talk to you. It's got too much going on. It's a busy cow. It's a very busy, and it's an app that you actually you have to wait in line to use. <laughs> uh, it is it is an alternative. <laughs> they got me waiting in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> it is an alternative to the built-in <laughs> calendar uh, that that ships with uh, OS X or OS X, as you say, mm. and it takes the pain out of doing anything and everything that you would like to do with your calendar. They have really really great features that you're not going to find. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about Mavericks, but I will say this. I am I using Mavericks. Talk about 2.5, dude. I am using Mavericks on my, um, my primary Mac, which is a Mac mini. And I thought, okay, I'm excited to, I can't talk about it because NDA and everything. Let me just put it this way. I'm still using BusyCal on Mavericks. So if that, if that tells you something, then and that tells you how good this thing is. You got so many really great features. Here's the nice thing. Non-modal info panels, Merlin. That's important. 
I'm not sure do- what that means. That means they can either be like like part the way I use it, and I'm serious. I literally use this all the time. It can be either like in, in the one window interface, or it can be in a pop out. That's right. You, you can have the pop outs. You can have any. You can customize this to work exactly. So if there's like if you're if you're used to using another calendar app, and you, I don't really like the way that does X. You can do it with BusyCal. You can set it to work exactly the way that you want it to work and as custom as you want it to be. I would almost say it is, is this weird? It is the BB edit of calendars in that you just want to use it the way it is. Just, just, just use it as a straightforward calendar oh. that has a better interface you can. But if you want to go in there and tweak every single little setting and how everything updates and set up automatic, oh, whenever I create an event, I want it to have two alerts, one is a pop-up, one is a sound, you know, one does this other thing, automatically create, done. Uh, managing attendees for stuff is really easy and it imports all of the data from Apple Calendar and it remains in sync with it. So it's not like you're not locked in to this thing. It integrates with iCloud. It integ- I use it with the Google Apps stuff. You get, your, you get your reminders too. Oh, you get all the reminders. It's all built in. And they it- even have in 2.5. Oh, dude, this is big. You want to talk about this? No, you got the copy in front of you. I just read about. It. I don't. I don't have the need for this, but pretty much everybody I know has the need for this. Anybody with a real job is going to flip. The David Sparks of the world David are going to flip Sparks, for two point five. I heard that he literally rose from his crypt when he heard about this. He's very. He's small, but he's old. Oh, he's so old. He's, he's like, like Wolverine. Like, like anytime Merlin feels old, yeah, he just calls up a photo that he keeps of uh, of David Sparks, and then he's like, "Wow, I'm I'm like a newborn." Or I send a W get to Dr. Drang. <laughs> Sorry. W get. <laughs> Exchange support. Exchange That's support. That's the big thing in 2.5. Big thing. Very, very stable, very reliable, and it's easy to use. It's fun to use. And again, and it brings it, in all your, like, all that Outlook junk, right? Doesn't it do, like, all of that stuff do, that used to be very difficult to deal with? Yeah. There are a lot of people who are, I mean, I, I'm not a big email guy, but like there's a lot of people who like have to like search and search and search to find like I guess there's different flavors of Exchange. It sounds really hard to deal with. Like like a lot of Microsoft things, God love it. It sounds like it's it's easy enough to buy and implement, and sometimes very difficult to use. And uh, I don't know if that's true. Nothing against anybody, but but in this case, let me give you one thing. First of all, two point five, and that's out as a beta right now. Is that accurate? I. Th- I think it is out as a beta, but it is a free upgrade for everybody who's on 2.0. So if you are, you know, if you're a current owner, obviously you're, if you're a current owner, you don't care about this. But there's a lot of people who I don't think have tried it yet. That's, that's, so that's you monkey can, balls. You can get the 2.0 version now. You'll get a free upgrade. It's going to be public beta in, it's this month. It's July when it's coming out. So we've, I think it's out. Well, I have two quick quick notes on this. The mini note is that um, David Wayne uh, from Children's oh, the Hospital comedian, the comedian, and really yeah, and yeah. all that. He was on uh, Mac Power Users recently uh, doing one of the workflow episodes, and he basically took over nice. the BusyCal segment, uh, which was I love when that happens personally. Uh, and he he talked about like how extensively he uses it. And this is a guy who actually works for a living yeah. and like travels and stuff, and how important it is. Automatic time zone support. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that it'll do that used to be a real pain. The big point I want to make, they did not tell us to say this, and they probably can't tell us to say this. Uh, I uh, have for a long time been very, very frustrated with a couple of the stock apps in OS X mm-hmm. that are fine. They're fine, but they're not for power users, and they're not for people... Um, I'll just say that, that for people who like things to work a certain way and to be able to get their hands around what they're doing, I, I find contacts and the calendar app a little not up to snuff. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I use CoBook 
for my address book stuff. Cobalt. And I Carbrick. And I and I do yes, I also use Fantastical for for a different reason. Uh but I but I mean I create a lot of events in Fantastical, but I live in BusyCal. Uh and here's the thing about this. You the very first time you look at it, I hope this is not damning with faint praise. The very, very, very first time you open up BusyCal, you might go, oh, this is a prettier version of iCal or whatever it's called now. Right. But but like Calendars. as soon as you start using it, even just the tiniest bit, you're gonna see so much stuff. You can you can do stuff like it's you know, like any a calendar will let you go in. This is going long, I'm sorry. You can go in and change the color for events that or, or you know, or um and calendars and stuff like that. No big deal. But like if you change the font size or bold on a certain thing, it'll change it for all of the repetitions yeah, of that event. It's really smart. And they have the smart filter stuff so that it's like those are like smart playlists in iTunes. So you can say, oh, I want to show a set of calendars with events that are certain kind, meet certain conditions. They contain mm-hmm. a certain. So I could do something that just shows back to work so I can see our schedule coming up. You know what I mean? Or just live shows in general or whatever. And it's just, it's so nice. You can even customize like what the info panel shows when you're creating a new event. Like you want to never show me the location because I'm always in my house. Fine. You never show the location. You can strip it. Yeah, you can strip it way down. Do you have it open right now by any chance? It is open, yeah. It's always Um, pretty much open. I don't know how much they play this up, but I can't tell you how much I use this. Click on the help menu. Mm -hmm. You'll see a little something in there called find duplicates. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I really use this. Yeah. You go in and you hit find duplicates and it will intelligently, I mean, if you've ever dealt with sync, you know this happens. You're going to have so many repeat events, especially if they're old events. Mm. Uh, find duplicates will go in and very intelligently locate and delete for you. I mean, you get the chance to you know, approve the um, deletions, but right. it will very intelligently go through and delete duplicates. I don't know, maybe that's something in iCal calendar, but I find this extremely easy to use and yet extremely powerful it's got the key commands. Guys, please learn, learn command one, two, three, et cetera, for moving between different calendar views, command T for today. Uh, it's really, it really is tremendous. And uh, I really hope you guys will go out and look at this. I really hope you'll buy it because it, it, is, it is an integral part. I, I, I mean, I would do all my calendar stuff on iOS if it weren't for busy busy well, here's I still want to say, I still want to say busy, busy sync. Cause that was my that the was first, the first yeah. I used. well, there is a free 30 day trial. You go to busy, Mac, B-U-S-Y, Mac, busymac.com. You can also get it from the App Store. It's uh, $29.99 there. So here's the thing. If you want to, you can go and download this, try it free for 30 days. It'll automatically import all the stuff that you've got going on. It'll, It'll sync everything over and you'll be like, wow, this is pretty awesome. And then you can buy it from them or you can buy it from the App Store, whatever you want. Yep. So uh, our our thanks to Busy busy Mac and Busy Cal for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know, were you aware that John and team, uh, we're still talking about that after Wolverine, mm-hmm. that John and team uh, worked on, used to be, used to be, I think they were now. I, I, I know they worked there. I think they might've been now. They were now up to date and now contact. Hmm. That was, that was John and team. <laughs> and I mean like that, uh, as I sit here and stare in horror at the features of these OS 10 apps, I mean, God, for somebody who's a grown up and has to do things with people, contact the contact app is completely frustrating to me. It's so frustrating to use. Given that, now contact and now up to date had features in like 1994 that are still not in the OS 10 stock apps. There's no semantic way. I just, now, now I'm just whining. But like, how can you not have semantic company names? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in the, not know if that's the right word, but you're left drawing. Where like anybody <laughs> who works at five by five is associated with the same, it doesn't mean anything. If I type that wrong, then I, that won't turn up. I can't click on five by five and mm-hmm. find everybody who works there. No. That's crazy making to me. I know. It just, that feels, feels lazy. Anyway, it um, is lazy. It's, a, it's a terrific app. 
Seven hours. Seven hours, yeah. Well, I want to come back to that. Real quick, I, I listened to this yesterday. Uh, my friend uh, uh, Ben Acker, Acker and Blacker, wrote the season one Wolverine, um, like a little hardcover that came out a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. Uh, there's a wonder, wonderful um, interview with them um, on a Nerdist writers panel okay. show. Nerdist, this is, God, this is Byzantine. Nerdist comics panel number four, uh, part of their writing thing series. And uh, so, so, you know, Ben and Ben are, of course, very funny. They talk a lot about getting to write this. But guess who else is on the panel? Who? Guess who else? I can't guess. Len Wein. I don't know who that is. The guy who invented Wolverine. Really? Yeah. Back in the Hulk number whatever? He talks and here, here's, yes, yes. And he tells about like the whole like, and he's, he's famously, he's a, such a gentleman, but he's famously like not into the origin stuff. He's like part, and I happen to agree, part of what makes Wolverine so great is, is all the mysteries. Like, we don't know about Wolverine, his past. Wolverine doesn't know about Wolverine's past. And that's part of what always made him so great. But in any case, uh, this is really worth a listen. If you are into uh, X-Men in general, Wolverine in particular, Alpha Flight, go listen to this because he drops so much science on like how and why they made Wolverine the way he did. How, um, was it uh, Dave Cockrum and uh, who was the other guy at the beginning? But like how they wrestled over like how Wolverine should be drawn, how he he originally in his mind he never like said like said this in the books, but he always thought of Wolverine as being a teenager. He didn't think of him as being three hundred years old or whatever. Right. But uh, and it's great all the decision making. You know, originally his claws were part of the glove and were telescoping. Did you know oh, that? Weird. And so the glove, he's like, well, it only has to be one. Uh, he has this great, like, I think New York accent. He's like, well, it don't, adamant, they're all adamantium. So you get a glove, it's like all it has to be is one molecule thick and uh, the telescope's out. And uh, that's fantastic. Talking about, like, I actually I saw this on Tumblr the other day, uh, the sketches of what people thought Wolverine, should, like John Byrne's sketches of what Wolverine would look like if he took the mask off. Because, oh, you know, for a long right. time, you only yeah. ever saw him in the mask. He was right? going to be a little boy. He's going to be a little teener. Teener. He looks Tweener. like a cross between like Steve Rogers and like Clint Barton. It's really weird. Weird. But uh, anyway, go check that out. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, uh, and so now with Akron Blacker, their next thing that they're going to do uh, is the Deadpool annual, which I think will be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, comics. You know, it's good. Boy, did you? So you're not caught up on Hawkeye. You're right no, a little. No, 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 not yet. Anybody, I'm going to say one more thing about comics. Anybody who loved Hawkeye number 11, as, as I did, Definitely pick up Hawkeye 12 and the Hawkeye Annual um, because it heavily fleshes out the pizza dog issue in, in an extremely satisfying way. You know, comics, they get so complicated and stuff and there's <clears throat> 35 different Green Lantern things to follow continuity and blah. But like, uh, gosh, you know, Hawkeye's a really good comic. Did you know that, Dan? You've been, you've told me that, yeah. I'm wearing a pizza dog shirt right now. Huh. Pizza's my business. Um, that's that. <clears throat> Can we talk about your, I think I'm getting sick, Dan. I was going to say you're, you do sound. Oh, <clears throat> uh, Beck. Um, I, this may be a topic. It may be an old topic. Tell, tell me about the seven hours. So you're, is this, this is at SFO. Well, and not just at SFO. Like, honestly, being at SFO for seven nice. hours. Well, it would be okay. Domestic, was, or, domestic or international? That's the problem. It's the Big jet difference. blue flies in and out of the international. That's a nice one. That's terminal. a nice term. And it is, it is beautiful, but there is not a damn thing to do there. Um, not a not, damn thing to do. You can eat. They have a nice food court. It's not as nice as it used to be. When it very first opened, it had some like like food court versions of some of the 
better restaurants in San Francisco there. And now I think it's like, you know, Taco Del Rice Bowl and yeah, stuff like it's that. It's really bad. There's only one, the fire grill and uh, anyway. Yeah. Something like that. So it, it was, so, you you know, you get there and I, uh, I was there at like 12, between 12, I was, I was there. Okay. Oh, can I tell you the whole story? Please. It's just ponderous to me. <laughs> so I, I go in there. First of all, I will not walk through the, uh, the, the turnstile cancer machine. I won't do that. <laughs> you, you went with the fondle option? I always do. I always have. <laughs> I always have. And, uh, and so here's, I've been through this every single time. Every time I go anywhere. The Austin airport's good about this. They just got the metal detectors now. They got rid of those uh, cancer. Oh, the, the scatter splatters? Yeah, the those scanner, are gone. Those scanner are gone. panners? Yeah. So instead of going through that, now you just get in the line. It's like it used to be the old way. They got the metal detector, and I guess they do profile. I don't know. So I went, you know, you go through there, you fly, you're in San Francisco for a little while. And I am, we're now in the San Francisco uh, International, and we're going to get our flight. It's, tw- it's, it's between 12 and 1230. Are you Dan Aykroyd? What was that? International. 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 So we come out of that. And, you know, you wait in the line and, and it's the international terminal. So instead of, you know, instead of like the regular process, they have this other process where it's it's just it's more chaotic and there's a lot more shouting and there's a lot more when they have those bins. They, they don't bring the bins out. They're just throwing them around. They throw them. And it's always been like this. And the reason I'm in the international one is not because I'm an international traveler right now. It's because JetBlue which has a really affordable direct flight from Austin to SFO for they're like, you know, sent they're like a persona non grata there. They have to go out of the international terminal. They don't have a regular presence. So long story short, you go there, you wait in the long line and you go through and I say opt out. And then they make you stand. They make you throw your stuff under the, under, you know, all your belongings underneath the, the line where they're normally just slid across they put them under there and they send you out to stand over there. And finally the, a guy comes out and they, you know, they wipe you, uh, they touch you, they do all that stuff, which is, I'm okay with that. I watch him change his gloves. Did they do the, they did the little wipe to see if you had gunpowder and stuff? And I did have gunpowder. Mm-hmm. And this is the interesting thing is, is he does it in any, I guess he, they put their gloves into a machine and then the machine uh, is a red flag. And he says, all right, um, you get a, you get a red flag. I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, it, it shows that you have nitrogen or gunpowder on you. And I said, okay, well, I don't. I don't. Because you're says, a sniper who does whippets. Right. And he says, he's like, okay. He's like, that's all right. I'm, I just got to get my supervisor over here and uh, I need to go through all of your bags and the supervisor will have to give you a pat down. I said, that's fine. I don't do whatever you got to do. I'm early. So they take all of my stuff. They take it all out, which is fine because I use little compartmental things to pack. It's very neat, very organized. So they go and they take these little tiny little, they look like band-aids and they're wiping these band-aids all over my stuff and they feed those into the machine. None of them show up positive for any gunpowder or whatever they're looking for. None. They're all clean. So then the, the boss comes over and he gives me an, a very thorough pat down in a private room now. Now I've been taken into a separate room and in the separate room, I've got both of those guys in there with me. And they do, and uh, you know, like I, I know I don't have any gunpowder, so like I don't care. I'm just uh, talking to them, and you know, like you would say, I'm kicking it, you know. And 
the second guy, and he says, no, listen, within this room, I'm going to be using the front of my hands to check you out. I'm like, do whatever you're going to do. I don't care. So he does that. He goes out. And then I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm, I'm in this room and the main guy, the first guy who's in there too, he's sitting there. He's got the door open and he's kind of looking around, kind of looking out at the, the main guy. And he does this after a minute. He's watching. He does his face, which is like someone has just shown him feces. So if you imagine the expression that you would have, if I, if I like, if, if your beautiful daughter came up to you and said, daddy, daddy, look what I got at school. And she opens up a box and there's feces in it. Surprise and horror. It's like, ooh. And he kind of he looks away and I'm like, what? And he says, red flag again. And so at this point, all of my stuff is clean, but something on me. So here's my theory on this. While I was in uh, your town, I, I felt cold. And I was ill-prepared for your summer, for your warm summer weather there in San Francisco. And uh, so... I. Got a sweater. I, had, but, but, I mean, by be, be, being clear here, by which you mean 50 degrees. Right, 50 degrees and, <clears throat> and overcast and raining. And so I had asked Hattie uh, to go and get a find some sweater for me. And she found me a wonderful sweater. Thank you, Hattie. She found me a wonderful sweater at H&M is the name of this store. It's a new store. And uh, I think it was a sweater because I didn't, I didn't wash the sweater before I wore it. You put it on right on the street. I know. And it still has a tag on it. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Does that look clean to you? And so I was wearing this, walking around with this sweater on. And I think the sweater had the nitrogen on it. Because I don't have anything with nitrogen on it. Anyway, so I said, okay, well, what happens now? And the guy's like, oh, well, it means we're going to have to get a guy in a suit to come down. But don't worry about it. I'm like, well, I'm not worried about it. Because I don't have any whatever you're looking for. Come when you are. So I, uh, then they, they come out. And I'm like, okay, where do I get, you know, where do I go? And he's like... He looks at me and he's like, we're going to let you go. Like this what? was, a, I've been pardoned by the president. You know, we're, we're gonna, just going to let you go. I'm like, all right, bye. I walked away and got some lunch. Steak. They were about to escalate that to, to third level fondling. Yeah. And, and, and then they just let you go. Yeah. Then they let me go. I guess that's, they profiled me. And- that's incredibly frustrating in like two different ways. Like, no, it's frustrating that you had to go through all of that, all right. that kabuki. But then on top kabuki. of it, oh my God. Like if you, if you were. you thinking of Whoa. Oh man. What show is this? I am definitely not thinking of that. Does that <laughs> look clean to you? Does that look clean to you? Hmm? Um, but then it's also frustrating because like, okay, well, follow through. Mm-hmm. If it really, if, if this man really is that potentially dangerous, like why don't you. Take him off the flight. It just shows you how much BS that whole thing is. Yeah, I don't know. And I feel like, uh, I feel like you know, they, whatever pro, racial profiling they did on me, they determined I was not a threat. And let, they let me go. And I said, what can, what can I do next time so I don't have to go through this? Because this has never happened before in one of these lines. What do I have to do? And they said, oh, did you use any of the products? Do you use any hair products? I said, yeah, I use all of them. <laughs> and he says, oh, he said, well, do you use any of the hotel, the hotel stuff in the hotel, the moisture. I said, I use everything in the hotel, everything, everything that's on that counter. I use all of that. And he says, well, that has the nitrogen in it. Don't use that. Oh, come on. That's what he said. Wow. That's real scientific. Yeah. Cause who would be going through airport security that had just been in a hotel <laughs> with free amenities. <laughs> right. It probably never happens. Right. Who would do that? So he, so he actually said, he said, Oh, we get, we get the, uh, you know, this happens a lot, but never twice, never the second time. Like that was anyway. 
Because science. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so crazy making to me. And I get to, then know, I get to the, the terminal and it how long, says, Dan, how long did that take? Was that like, like, like half hour? 45 minutes, Oof. half hour to 45 minutes for the whole process. Yeah. But you're early. I'm well, I was very early. It turns out that the flight that was supposed to leave that I was getting there at, you know, 1231 for, uh, is, is actually supposed to leave at 315 boarding at 245 or something. Now it says up on the board, 630. At 6.30 became 7, 7 became 7.30, boarded at 7.10. So I was in the airport from like 12.30 to 7 or something. You did, you did it all right. Every, you know what I mean? You, you, you did everything correctly. Right. And they'll look at you. I know. But I did watch the film, so that was <laughs> something. Yeah. You were talking about something you like? Ah, uh, yes. I would like to tell you a little something about uh, Igloo. You remember these guys from way Love back? Love Igloo. I think I, I think I owe Marco an email. These guys. Now you're not talking about Marco Arment. There's a, Marco a, with a K. young man named Marco, and uh, these guys are Canadian. Mm-hmm. No and, offense. No, and nobody is perfect, but they're doing mm-hmm. their best. You know, we do what we can. God love them. They are, and you've heard this term. This is an old, an old fashioned term, intranet. Do you remember that? I do. They actually use this term in their marketing, but. It's an intranet that you actually like. They make it easier to communicate and collaborate with people at work. Okay, so this system that they've come up with, this is all their own stuff. It's built around apps you know. They have blogs, integrated calendars, file sharing forums, Twitter-like microblogs and wikis, and it's all integrated and it's all in one place and it all just works and it's really awesome. And you can design your igloo See how that works? Around your own business, you can add private rooms, mini igloos for each of your teams. And the whole thing is super easy to set up. It's got drag and drop widgets, which you know we like. You can use as much or as little as you need. That's right. Do you, that's, do you this just is giant. want the file sharing and the calendars? Right. Th- that's all you need. to. Oh, you want blogs for status updates? You want a Twitter, microblog? Whatever you want to use, you just roll in it. And it's all but private. But you're not stuck with that featureitis. Right. Featureitis is shovelware. You're not going to get this this giant enterprise product that's got all this junk you have to use or that clutters up the screen. Right. Right. If you have a small team that has modest needs, just pick the stuff you need and then add the other stuff. It's all included, right? It's you just, all there. You, you, you flip that on when you need it, but you don't have to overwhelm somebody. Like you know, right, you're a wiki guy, right? And you love having all the features and stuff, but you don't want to overwhelm the person who has to actually use this for their job. And they make that so easy and so clean. It's really great. And you mentioned enterprise... What the one thing that they brought from the enterprise side is enterprise grade security. This thing is hosted and managed. You don't have to do anything. It's all there. And did I mention that it, you can uh, you can use it for free now? What? Yeah, it's free to use with up to ten people. Free. You don't even have to give them a credit card. And as the igloo grows, it becomes twelve dollars a person each month. But that's when you get beyond the ten person size. That's crazy. Yeah. And that, did, did you know? Do they, do they know they're doing that? That seems that seems like they're not going to make a lot of money. That's I don't crazy. know how they're uh, doing this, but they, did you know Sandy's uh, Sandy did some stuff for them? Uh, our Sandy? Yeah. No, I had no idea. Yeah, igloosoftware.com, igloosoftware.com, and you can go to igloosoftware.com/b2w. That's where you're going to get the good stuff. But the igloosoftware.com has, is where the Sandy video is, and you can go check that out. But igloosoftware.com/b2w. That's how you support the show. And if you'd ever like to hear another episode, uh, you better damn well go there. Yeah. They could shut us down, the Canadians. Mm -hmm. Snicked. (laughs) So our our thanks to uh, Marco with the K and Igloo Software uh, for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. I've been saying that on the other shows. It does does work. Yeah, it actually actually really does work. It does work. 
and like another sponsor of ours that we love, um, it is, it's included. You don't have to go out and cobble together. I mean, there are so many, one thing I love, uh, I love all the built to purpose systems out there. There are a lot of things that do, as they say, one thing well. Uh, it's nice to have a turnkey operation. Oh, yeah. Boy, I'm really talking the douche speak today, aren't I? I like it. Okay, we'll do a deep dive. But you can, uh, but you just go in and you flip on the stuff that you need. It's easy to buy, it's easy to use, and we're done with the segment now. <sighs> I find it, <clears throat> I, I think we talked <clears throat> about this one. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, <clears throat> I can feel it. She's been, oh, it's so sad. She's been real coffee. She's been super she coffee. She seemed fine when I was there. She's a sport. Yeah. She didn't seem like she was acting. She seemed great. It was healthy. Healthy as a Tiberian ox, as Syracuse would say. Is there a chance that they could assert you with a yod? Like maybe a, uh, maybe a hand on a stick? I would, uh, I would not have minded. I was watching the uh, 36th chamber of uh, Shaolin the other day, and one of the guys who's training the acolytes, he has this long stick with a hand on it. He hits you with, like a jokey hand, like a Mickey Mouse glove hand. And so if you're walking around and you're not hitting the sandbags with your head hard enough, you right. whack you with the stick. It's bad enough to get whacked with a stick for not hitting a, uh, a bag hard enough with your head, but it actually is shaped like a jokey hand. I'm thinking they could use that. They could get a couple of them. It'd be like marionettes. I should get more sleep. Anyway, he's gone yard. Uh, I think it's a sports term. I, this is probably not a topic, but the reason I, I think what you're describing, and please literally stop me if I've said this too much, but I think the airport delay uh, is is wonderfully emblematic of a certain horrible thing in life. What's that? And so you did not get this as bad as you can get it. Part of that was you got there early, mm-hmm. but you got there, and once you got through all the uh, all the uh, fondling, mm-hmm. uh, you re- that's when you realized that, it, notwithstanding being early, that your flight had been delayed for three hours at that point. Is right. that correct? Three hours. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the one that drives me crazy. And this, this really did happen coming home from Boston one time. We're in the Boston airport and, you know, we're stuck in one of those, at least if you're in the international terminal, like it's pretty and you can walk around and stuff. And it's, there's like some stuff there. But this particular terminal, this is like my vision of hell is we're sitting there. We got, it was a really early flight. It was like a 7 a.m. flight and we had mm. to get there from Providence. So it was very, very early. We had to leave at like four in the morning. Oh boy, any of you guys in Boston, that, that rental car situation there is really, really a thing. What's it like? Oh my goodness. It's, it's, like, something, it's like something from Eastern Europe in like the early 70s. You go out to this like compound and, and everybody there, it, it's Boston. Yeah, uh, it's awful. But anyway, the point being, we had to do, it was a very early flight. We got there on time, like gentlemen, my lady and me. And we get there and things are running behind. I think we've talked about this stuff before, but I think it's important. And you get there and you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm drinking coffee. I'm having that horrible, horrible airport food. And, uh, you know, it just sucks. And then they're like, uh, so you're sitting there and there's going to be stuff and there's a delay. And they don't say how long it's going to be. All you know at that point is your plane is not leaving on time. The plane that you took pains over the equivalent of two days to make right. sure you were at on time. And now all you know is that the plane is not leaving on time. That's a little frustrating. And for me, that's like where I go down this, this existential wormhole where I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm trapped. How long is this going to be? Right. Have we talked about this? No, I don't think we have talked about this one. Or if we did, no, I don't think we have. Well, maybe we can find a fresh point on it, but, but that's frustrating, right? And so... In my experience, it will be at least 30 to 45 minutes after that before they tell you another thing. Because I think one thing to most airlines credit, they don't want 
they don't want to set an expectation that they can't meet. So they'd rather just, just screw you over in, in an honest way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not going to go like, Hey, we'll be ready in five minutes. If it's actually, if they actually have no idea that would be worse than what they actually do, which is already pretty bad. So you're waiting around and then finally they go, okay, well, uh, this is taking longer than we expected. We got to finish cleaning out the cabin, restocking that disgusting food. And, uh, we think it'll be probably about around, uh, we'll let you know more in 20 minutes. Okay. So now at this point, let's say it's been an hour, but that's fine. Whatever. You bring a book, you sit there, maybe you go get another coffee, you hang out. But first of all, you can't go far, right? You can't go, you can't really go do anything. Not really. Cause you're, you, you want to keep in touch with uh, the people at the desk and find out what's going on. That's right. And you know, I've done that before I've gone and said, okay, it'll be half an hour. And you come back and they're tapping their foot by the door going, okay, we're, we've been waiting for you to take off. That's actually happened before. Really? So I, yeah, I mean, because they want to get away as soon as possible. Planes only make money when they're in the air. Mm -hmm. Planes do not make money on the ground. Right. So it's, it really benefits wheels up as they say in the airline wheels up. That's right. (laughs) Button this up. Uh, the, uh, but that part's frustrating to me because now there's a delay and it's a delay with uncertainty. The only certainty is that you can't really do anything else. And so you have to sit there. You see where this is going. Oh, yeah. And then in my experience, this tends to go in these cycles of like 30, 45 minutes. So then later on, they might say, well, we have an update for you. And the update is that we're still not ready to go and we'll have more information probably by 6.30 or, or you know, or, or nine o'clock or whatever. And now once again, now, yes, you've gotten more information, but you're still not really that much closer to leaving. You still have the same amount of uncertainty and you still can't really go do anything. Right. You're trapped in other words. Yeah. Yes. And so when you said seven hours, that reminded me of times Mm. where, and God, I know we've talked about this recently, so forgive me, but the, um, but that's what drives me nuts. Cause then you get this cascade and you're going like, okay, well you start doing all of this arithmetic, uh, based on an impossible number of variables, right? It'd be one thing to go like, okay, if this is going to be this late, I know I have to try and get a different flight and I know I'll have to tell my ride mm-hmm. that I'm going to be late, but I don't want to go get into that unless I have to. But at the same time, there's a certain amount of game theory to this where if it gets close enough and you're positive that or feeling positive, like it's about to happen, well, you sure want to get on the line and try to get a rescheduled flight before everybody else starts trying to do that. So, and if there's delays, let me just assure you at an airport, there's probably other delays. Yeah. There's delays behind and in front of that. So now what happens? Am I going to miss my connecting flight? And, and you start going really bananas and then you become like that guy. Like I really try not to be that guy, but mm-hmm. you become that guy uh, who keeps going up and bugging the lady at the counter about when this is going to happen and you're very important and you're in business development and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to do that. But I, um, I think there's something about life in that. I, that's happened to me often enough and it's been, uh, it's made enough of an emotional impression on me that I think there's something to that. That's a lot like life. How so? I mean, explain that. Is that okay to talk about? Yeah, it's a good one, man. If you sit there at that terminal, you're thinking to yourself, I don't really know how long this will be. And I don't feel like I can do much else than honestly, just Wait. All I can really do is wait. And, and you know, you could, be, you could be waiting in the sense that you go try and find a plug and flip on your, your 4G and right. try and do some work and stuff. But are you going to undertake like a really big task when you, when you don't know how long it's going to be? But maybe worst of all, how about this? How about if you got a call before you went through the, the cancer turnstile? Is that what you called it? Yeah, yeah. What if you got, what if you got a text that said, um, you know, hey, Dan, this is JetBlue. Your flight's not leaving until 7. 
That would be wonderful because then I would know two things. One, I would know that it was happening because look, I could have hung out, you know, in, in San Francisco and eaten a nice lunch or something instead of spending all that time in the airport if they had told me. Absolutely. At hey, the your very flight's end- not going to board until 710. Right. 7.10 is when you need to, you know what? Fine. I'll leave at four. And that's going to give me four more hours in wherever, Petaluma, San Francisco, whatever. You could go wash your hair. Yeah. Style Get all it. the uh, nitrogen out. Get the nitrogen, wash the, wash the, uh, the sweater. But you get what I'm saying, obviously, which is that at that point, you can go, oh, seven hours. My gosh, that means I have at least five hours. I mean, even being conservative, I have four hours. Four hours is plenty of mm-hmm. time to, you know, obviously you could go and like have a halfway decent meal somewhere in the airport. You get on your phone and go like, what's the nicest uh, place here at the airport? Go have some drinks. Um, but it certainly would not be out of the range of possibility to go get on your phone and find a restaurant that's pretty close to the airport, maybe in Burlingame, like who knows where there's actually a pretty good steak place down there, but you could, you could go get hop in a cab and be back in two and a half hours and you'd still have plenty of time. You know, in in my case, I mean, this, this is really fancy, but if I know it's going to be more than two or three hours before I leave, I'll go drop the drop 50 bucks to go, go to the lounge. Oh, you know what I mean? That's so, that's the best 50 bucks you'll ever spend because you get to go in there and it's mostly quiet except for the douchebags. You can usually, if you can find a place that doesn't have a giant big screen screaming about sports, you can find somewhere to sit down and, you know, have your own space without people yelling. And uh, I find that's a great way to end a trip personally. When I'm coming home from a trip, I really like going to a lounge. You know what I mean? Like well, a, they like call the, that a happy ending and you like, you know. That's right. That's right. It's, they call it a, a full release lounge. Mm-hmm. And you can go in there and, uh, and hang out. But I, the reason I think that's a, like life, I think there are numerous ways that that's like life. Uh, the, on the micro level, the day-to-day level, we've talked so much about having, not knowing like, oh, if your meeting's delayed, like how long will it be delayed until the next one starts? Uh, you know, you have only so much time, especially if you're either a poor scheduler or have to work with people who are poor schedulers. You may not know exactly how much time you have until this next thing happens, or more often, you may realize exactly how little time you have. So that one little like, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> 10 minute meeting that you had at 10 a.m. that ended up being a hour and a half meeting. Well, now it's a half hour till lunch. So what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You do what you do in the airport. You wait because you're, you might be discombobulated. And now like basically that has turned into, unless you are really good at using what I like to call interstitial time. And I'd be happy to talk about how to leverage that leverage. Uh, I think that in a micro way that happens every day where we go, we think of our time being in certain blocks and then we end up just doing the equivalent of waiting or dicking around because now I've only got 25 minutes before we, I have to go to this meeting or I have to go to lunch. Super frustrating. But the way that I, 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 in the remaining time, I think, so first of all, I'm happy to talk logistics on how to fix that day to day. Um, but I think the big one is in your life where you spend a lot of your life just waiting because you don't know how long it's going to be till the next thing. And I feel like I see this all the time. I see this with a lot of people that I talk to about work stuff mm-hmm. where, I, you know, as I've said before, they say like, oh my gosh, this is an intolerable situation. I've got to get out of here. And then they don't. And, and more, I guess more importantly, they don't make a decision about why they need to get out of there. Mm. And because that will tell you a lot. You know, I, I did that podcast, that um, podcast, The Shakes, a, a couple of weeks ago. And we, we talked about this, you know, uh, like it's so important to not just, say I'm unhappy and I'm going to quit a job, but like, what is it about that job that's going to, what is it about your life that's going to get better if you quit that job? People sit around and they'll go like, I've got to get out of here. I got to go. And you know what happens? A year later, you're still in that same position. You've done the equivalent of waiting. You have not done anything proactive. 
And here's the difference before you tell me about something I like. The difference is when you're in that airport and you're stuck there and you think you only have time to get a six inch sub. Mm. In fact, in life, you, it's really up to you to decide how long you're going to wait for anything, you know? I, but I think part of the reason an airport delay, this is really lofty, but I think part of the reason an airport delay feels so frustrating, uh, you know, of indeterminate length, is that it reminds us of how impotent we can feel in life, of like being stuck somewhere. And then, so the question becomes like, how much are you really stuck anywhere? And like, what would you need to do to like figure out if you really have seven hours rather than 30 minutes? Yeah. Metaphorically. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had felt like it, I could have changed that, that scenario. I could have changed it. I could have gone to the JetBlue counter and said, this is unacceptable. I don't care if you fly me, you know, to New York and then back to Texas, like get me back to Austin before what turned out to be 2 a.m. Yeah, but chances are, at least in my own experience, first of all, like never yell at the waitress and never be yeah, mean to the nothing. person behind you know, the counter. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I could, do. Have, I could yeah. have done something very nicely and said, hey, you know, like I'll pay some money, get me on a different thing. Or I could have gone to a different airline and just bought a different ticket if I'd really wanted to do that. I didn't. And that's was, a, now that that's a good, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, what I will do because I, it just makes me cringe on like a human level to watch people go up there and yell at the person. No, First of all, it's just, it's so rude. It's stupid. And it's stupid because that person has the ability to change your life. Right. They can, they can make a difference. And if you're not nice to them, if why it's like yelling, they help you? It's like yelling at your oncologist. It's like, how do you think that's going to make this situation better? Like they're in a position to make your life better if you're willing to like play ball with them. But what I would, I'll tell you what I would do in that situation is I would go up to them and say, um, you know, I haven't eaten and uh, I'd love to eat. Can I just, let me ask you, do you think there's any chance just between you and me, do you think there's any chance at all that this plane will take off in less than two hours? And sometimes they will tell you, they would say, I can't really tell you that, but I think you'd be safe to go somewhere. Now you're asking them something nice that they can kind of answer rather than a demand that everybody else is trying to make that is not going to be accomplished for anyone. Like if you're that much of a big shot, why don't you pull out your your black Amex and go, go just buy a plane? You're not that much of a big shot. You're a, you're a guy with a roller bag trying to act like he's a big shot. (laughs) That's that, that's, that does not work. Yeah. But Anyway, I wish you'd tell me about something you like. When we come back, I want to, depending on how you'd like to talk about it, either talk about how to deal with interstitial time during the day or um, trying to figure out how much your life is really like an airport. Well, our last spot for the day. Final. Final. Closing. Shutterstock.com. Woo! Love these guys. 20 million stock photos, but they've got more than just photos. They do the movies, illustrations, vectors, video clips, everything. You're working on a creative project. You need some images. You need something to make this thing look awesome. And they have it for you. And they're working with lots of independent people who are all over the world. So you're not just getting, what, three guys in a, in a room with one of those silly white rollout sheets of paper, you know, hmm. and, uh, and, and a, you know, a five-year-old kid dressed up like, uh, you know, Peter Pan. You're getting a full range of images from people who are around the world taking photographs as they travel in their studios you name it. And it really is just some of the best stuff. And we've talked about it before and we've given examples of this before. You can create a light box and you can create actually as many light boxes as you want. You can create them with two clicks. So you might be working on multiple projects, multiple websites, multiple clients, and you want to organize the images that you're looking for into each of those different light boxes. And then you can share those. So you can share them where people can just view them. Or you can share them. I could, let's say you and I are collaborating on something. I could share it with you and give you access to it. So you could say, oh, I'm getting rid of that image. But instead, I'm going to put in these five that I found. We work together on creating something. And when it's time to buy it, 
you buy all of them at once, and uh, we have a discount code. The code is back to work seven, number seven, and you will get thirty percent off any package that you would uh, put together. It could be one image, it could be a thousand images. It's going to be thirty percent off. Back to work seven, number seven at Shutterstock. dot com. They even have enhanced licenses if you're like a magazine or a publication or something like that. I love me them vectors, and uh, and I love that iPad app. Somebody on Twitter the other day yeah, made the me, iPad app, right? Somebody made me a giggle the other day. They said what we never mention in the Shutterstock spots is uh, how much you can use the app to entertain a toddler. I never thought of That's that. That's right. They someone did say that. <laughs> That's a great idea. A lot of cool stuff in there. It's, it's a joy to use, and uh, and anybody who's had to slog through the kind of uniformly poor quality of so much stock art out there will really enjoy this service. It, it's, it's structured really well. It'll work with how you work. And uh, we really do recommend it. So shutterstock.com slash back to work. Is that correct? Shutterstock, I got the code here. Yeah. What, what the main thing is the code shutterstock back, back to work seven dot com. They can just go just to that main URL and then back to work seven, 30% off. That's a lot deal. of percent, Dan. I know. Our thanks to shutterstock for supporting five by five and back to work. Oh, seven hours. But you know, I'm not, this is the thing. I didn't complain about it because I thought, okay, they're going to, they're going to get me there. And so I walked up after, after the, like the second time they kept going back and forth with the different times I went up to the counter and the lady had a great sense of humor about it. And she was, she would say things like, you know, she'd be like, I'm required to give you an update every 15 minutes. So you're going to begin to hate the sound of my voice. Like she had fun with it, you know, and because she knew everyone was there waiting. And I went up to her and I said, listen, I said, at this point, do you you think we're going to get out of here? Like, does it look good? And she says, well, unfortunately, we can sometimes be the last ones to know here. She said, but she said they have put a lot of time and energy into rerouting us, getting a separate plane, rerouting it. It's coming from New York. It's already in route from New York to you know, whatever other airport it was going to go and get some people and bring them to SFO. She's like, I really think this plane is going to go today. So I would, I would say yes. And she, you know, I appreciated that. And it did. And, but so I was like, I said, you know, you got to spend some time sitting around in the airport, like big deal. I'm still going to get home. It's not like I'll never get home. I think you might be getting to the crux of, of what, at least what I think is the interesting part of this. Um, and I'm going to take a step back. Um, I think there's there's a, a weird phenomenon that happens, uh, especially if you're a little bit self-involved, which is that... Um, well, none of our listeners. Well, no, 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 no it wouldn't never, happen. Never. never. Think, but like, think about what that person's job is. I used to make this old crack about, you know, you should never start, don't start a, a fight with a frat boy mm. because, because they're better at it, they do it more, and they're good at it. Right. So, like, I could sit around and think I'm, like, a martial arts expert, but if I go and, like, try to get into some kind of uh, fisticuffs with some big tough guy, I'm going to get my butt kicked because I don't have enough experience or presence of mind to realize how ill-suited I am to that particular human interaction. And I think it happens every day in so many places. I think it happens in restaurants. I think it happens at counters at airports. And I think it happens in jobs. And in each case, you're going to, not you, but one's going to go in there and where somebody else knows way more about a problem domain and has way more experience with it, and let's be honest, has way more experience dealing with people like you. Mm-hmm. Like, we all think we're experts. Like, if we go in and yell at people about something, like, obviously, they're going to have to capitulate to us. Mm-hmm. Setting aside that, like, yelling at people shows how incredibly powerless you actually are. People with power don't yell. They just do stuff, 
right? If you, you, you never threaten to fire somebody, right? You just, you just get them fired. If that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of tool that you want to be, don't even say it. That's a threat. And a threat, a threat is pointless. And in this instance, in all of those cases, whether it's, you know, as I say, a restaurant, that counter, or a job, you're really kind of going in. I watched uh, Paths of Glory for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. Good movie. It's really good. Um, it, yeah, it's a little spotty at points, but there's several extremely memorable scenes. And Kirk Douglas's character, obviously, such a great character. But there's that scene where the general with the scar is, uh, it's clear that. There's a great episode of Band of Brothers where something similar to this happens, where this general has completely screwed the pooch um, on this on this attack that's happening. He's blaming all the soldiers. He's threatened to have everybody court-martialed and shot. And not he's the best way to motivate, by the way. Not, not at all. And, of course, he's the tool. And in this case, Kirk Douglas is, uh, is going to call him on it. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, well, why don't you just court-martial me? Like, because then the guy realizes that if that happens, all this stuff is going to come out about how awful this general is. And there's this great scene where, um, after they've decided to have the court martial and Kirk Douglas is going to represent the, the three poor bastards who are, you know, doomed basically, uh, where they're, you know, and they're still acting like gentlemen, which I think was kind of cool, mm-hmm. but the general is, it comes up to Kirk Douglas and at first, he walks up these steps, and he's effectively, at first, he's basically kind of quietly begging him not to pursue this. <laughs> and he's trying to make it about loyalty, and he's trying to make it, but it's what makes this scene so perfect is the way that he turns on a dime. And when it's obvious that no matter what he says to Kirk Douglas's character, uh, Colonel Dax, he's always going to be the same person, no matter what he says to him. Colonel Dax is not going to get nicer or meaner, depending on how this guy behaves. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, he's a general. But he comes up and first he's effectively, after being a giant tool and trying to ruin this guy's career in front of uh, Adolf Manjou, they go up the steps and now he's, he's, he's saying, oh, you know, we, we, you should avoid this. We don't want to get involved. This is going to be fine. And, you know, and Kirk Douglas is, you know, imperturbable. He turns on a dime and the general starts immediately threatening him and saying, I'm going to crush you. You're going to be nobody. When this is over, I'm going to destroy you. And again, Kirk Douglas was completely unfazed. Well, that general is the guy who goes and yells at the counter. That's the guy who yells at his boss for more interesting projects. (laughs) And that's the guy who goes to the woman who has, man or woman, who has the power to make the meal better or spit in it and think that yelling at them will make any difference at all. And anyway, it's a pretty good movie. But what I'm trying to tease out of that is that, and I'm bringing it to the work part, is that, you know, that person behind the counter at the airline this is all they do all day long. The guy, the guy who felt you up in line, he doesn't love his job. No. Right? You think he enjoys like, like, like touching people's Johnsons for a living? And, and, and really, literally, my idea of hell. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have more than three ounces of liquid, once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you have more than... All day long, those people do nothing but tell people to throw out greater than three ounces of liquid. Yeah. And all day long, people don't do it. Yeah. You and I get mad because we did it. Like, I'm always ready. But there will always be another person who wasn't ready. And it makes the line go longer. They're not happy. That person at the counter, all they do all day long is deal with perturbed people who think they're powerful. And those perturbed people who are often not super bright think that they can go up there and talk about how they're, you know, a submarine commander on that airline and a hundred thousand mile douche and the seat one a-hole and therefore they deserve all this special treatment. Well, if you are, why don't you call the concierge for that service? And that will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Do you really think you can go up and threaten somebody's job and then have them take care of you? Do you think you can go up, effectively go up to Kirk Douglas and, and get, get that person to, to change the way they are by first begging and then threatening them? Do you it doesn't think, work. Do you think, though, that, that at, there was a time when that would be true? 
like in the past and they're looking, they're thinking of some movie that they saw when they were a kid in the, you know, well, maybe, maybe Europe in the forties. You know I what mean, I'm saying? Think- like, like, is that what they're imagining? Do you think? Um, I maybe, yeah, maybe that's true. I think people have seen a lot of movies. I think when people see a lot of movies, they start to misunderstand how, how life and the world works. Right. Not simply in bureaucracies and not simply in places where, I mean, if, if this is off the topic, but I think it might be useful. This is just my own, my own observation and having some small measure of success with this and having been the guy who's yelling at people. I've been both. But what you have to remember is whoever you're talking to in that situation, it's useful to consider, first of all, like what role they actually had in what you perceive to be a huge disruption in your life. Right. Was it your boss that really screwed up your job? Possibly. Was it your waitress who really screwed up your meal? Was it your, was it the guy behind the counter that really screwed up your flight? In almost all of those cases, that's not the case. You're going to give a penny tip to that waitress, even though it was the new cook's problem or it was an understaffed kitchen's problem. Um, you're going to go sit there and whine about your work, even though your boss is having to deal with budget cuts. And you're going to go and yell at the guy behind the counter at the airline because of a completely, something that's completely- A mechanical problem with the plane 500 miles away. But in each instance, you have not considered what that person actually has the power to change. And you may actually be really cutting yourself off at the knees by not starting with the fact that they are a human being that has certain things in their power and that would- probably be happy to help you if you distinguished yourself by being less of a dick than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's true in all three of those instances. Uh, in the case of, of the airline, you know, again, if you really have that power, exercise it. Go take care of it. If you're really that much of a big shot, like you don't even need to talk to that person. You're wasting your time. If you really know the CEO of the company where you're complaining about your computer, well, talk to the CEO. Why are you yelling at this person who's making $9 an hour? That's right. crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that case, as I say, I would go up and you know, and this is kind of where it gets back to the nominal topic. Go to that person and really and try and get a little bit more information. Ask it in a nice way and ask it as a favor. There's a good chance they're going to say, sorry, I can't help you, which is exactly, now you're exactly where you started out, but you're certainly not dug in deeper. Understand, here's the thing you need to understand about the person at that desk. Every day, some nice couple from, some, from corn country walks up and goes, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Does a fight go soon? We just got married. And you know what? They put those people in first class and bump a butthole. Right. Doesn't happen as much because planes are very packed, but it is, you ask anybody who's done that, they will frequently do that. If it's somebody who's traveling with a, with a kid for the first time, they'll get them a seat where they will not annoy people, but they'll also get good stuff. And they'll make sure that the staff on the plane knows to take care of those people. They have the power to do that. That is inside of their domain. They don't have the power to change when the planes arrive. And you go and you yell at them like they control planes. Right. And they don't. Yeah. Right? Just remember, and that person at the restaurant, they have the ability to give you a better meal. And if they're a good waiter or waitress, they'll bring you a free dessert. Um, but at the point when you're yelling at the manager up about the restaurant industry writ large and the changing economy, you should have left that restaurant 10 minutes ago, leave a tip, pay your bill, and walk out without saying anything. And have all, have you, you ever walked out of a restaurant? You mean without paying? No, I mean like... Oh, like, yeah. Like, many, many times. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, at this point, I just I don't say anything. I make a guesstimate on the bill. I add 20% and then I give them a 20% tip and I walk out for mm-hmm. the worst service in the world because I don't have time and I don't... What could I possibly improve by that? I'm going to yell at a waitress or a manager. It just doesn't work. Just go. Don't start an internet campaign about that. Just walk away. And then most importantly, for the sake of the folks listening to this, I think is the work part. 
Like whining to your boss does not help things. Whining to your partner does not help things. I'll tell you, buddy, yelling, yelling at your at your partner, and by which I mean your like life partner. Yeah. You know, I'm in San Francisco, so we can't say husband. Oh, correct. Um, you could be your animal companion. Don't yell at your animal companion. Um, just go fix it. Just go fix it or deal with it. And if you're going to deal with it, find a way to deal with it in a productive way, right? You don't, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is like in the same way that you would want to look at that person behind the counter and understand what they are capable of doing and likely to do for you, like suss that out and then figure out what your job is. Like you're, you're the grown up, you're the adult. Like they don't have a rent-a-mom service at the airport. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have to go deal with all of that. And there's not a single person in the airport that will really care that much about whether it goes well for you, right? <laughs> Again, like that Dr. Katz with Barry Sobel. Like you go to the guy and, and you know, your luggage is missing. What, what do you want me to do? You want me to tip the airport over until your bags fall out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the guy here at the counter. I don't know where your bags are. I, I can fill out this form and I can tell you we'll do the best we can. But, you know... I don't know. I think I, the reason I, I think that's important is that it, if you are feeling stuck in a situation and don't know how long it's going to be till it gets better, it's natural to just get really mad and frustrated and, and, and to not go in the direction of, I'm just going to do something about it. You know, oh, what's the phrase Mike Curley used the other day to like rage quit? Like, you know, right. like you're going to stomp out of the restaurant and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, just, just move on. I mean, be a grown up and just, and just move on. Now, in, in the case of the work thing, I think it is complicated. Um, you could certainly rage quit. I bet, I bet, I bet there are not that many people that rage quit one job. I have a feeling that becomes an that MO. Beca- yeah. They, that this is how they leave everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. We were watching project runway and, uh, when Andre, no spoilers, when Andre, um, gets, uh, has to go home off feeder Zane, uh, he's like, oh, this has been so great. Thank you guys. It's just, it's been great to be here. I really, I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me on here. And he doesn't piss and moan about it. Everybody loves Andre to begin with. Mm. He has great expressions. He's a really good designer. He's a great tailor and everybody loves him. And I said to Ellie, you know, cause this is something I want us all to work on. Is I was like, did you notice that? Like, do you like Andre? And she's like, yeah, everybody loves Andre. I was like, but look at how he left. When Andre left, everybody missed him. Because he never seemed cooler than when he walked away and made you miss him, even as you could still see his back. Right. He didn't fly off the handle and yell at that stupid orange-colored Michael Kors guy. Like, he didn't go off in a huff. And now, like, he'll be remembered as this person that everybody enjoyed having there. Yes, I know it's heavily produced, but I think it's germane. Like, try and leave with some class. Mm-hmm. And in that case, like, Andre did not have any control over that. He's off the show. He's done. He had to go home off feeder Zane. But um, we should wrap this up. But, but I, think, I think in the office in particular, and I say at the office because I'm really talking about those big life moves. If you're, if you're feeling stuck somewhere and you don't know how long it's going to take to get something done, it's not that different from the airport in one way, which is you have to suss out the actual situation. You might want to go get some special inside intelligence from people. Um, you might want to do stuff like call, you might want to call the airline and find out what your options are for doing something about it. That's a great way to use that, that interstitial time mm-hmm. in the same way that my, you might use the time that you're unhappy and underused at a job to try and see how much people actually are making. You might want to start calling people who do similar jobs to what you do. You, you might want, I mean, don't wait until you rage quit to do that stuff, but that takes a very transitive first person approach to doing that stuff. And I guess uh, to close, I guess I, I'm thinking now about, you know, an AA, it's not just an AA, but like there's a serenity prayer, right? I don't know it by memory, but you know, the idea is to grant me the serenity to, um, 
uh, you know, change the things I can, right. you know, accept right, right, things right. I can, the wisdom to know the difference. Boy, that will serve you so well in life. Because if you have the wisdom to know the difference, you're going to know to just sit down with your laptop and see what you can do in 30 minutes. Don't what, spread guess out. What? what if nothing happens that you're no better off or worse off than you were before? Right. Well, yeah, you don't want to miss the plane by going off and running off and getting a foot massage, right. but accept, you can accept that situation or you can do something extraordinary to change it, but nobody's going to give you that answer. You can get that information. If you're pretty sure that that restaurant is going to keep screwing up your order again and again, don't go back. Like, but it doesn't mean you have to go out in a huff and it doesn't mean that you're going to accomplish anything by yelling. And I come back to this again and again. This goes back to probably the first episode of the show. If you're in a job and you're not happy with what's getting accomplished there, if you're not happy with how things are moving there, it's, you should not see that as anybody's fault but your own. Even if it is 10 other people's fault, see it as your own fault. Not fault, but as your own uh, as your own imperative. Mm. Like It's your imperative to take care of that. Like there aren't that many people in a company that are going to warn you, hey, you know, in the next six months, this job's going to be less fun. Like, no, that's, that's really up to you. So yeah, that takes that kind of larger vision about what you would do if you, if you could make these big decisions. But it also means keeping a presence of mind about, about what it is you'd actually like to be different about it and then what resources you have to change it. You know, if you really need that insurance, you really need that paycheck. If you don't have a war chest set aside to go start your your new corn dog stand, like you're going to need to deal with that. But I don't know. I just, I guess I just feel like I, I need to be reminded of that a lot. You know, I really hate when I go out and I get the, I get the burger at the local place and I say, please, literally nothing on the burger, but a burger and a bun. Cause that's all my daughter wants. And it's slathered with junk that you can't take off. Mm-hmm. Well, what am I going to do? Now I got to go back. Well, I could. I could go back or I could make her something different or I could call for delivery food. I could just capitulate and make noodles like I always do. But like, if I go back there, what am I going to do? I'm going to go spend like half an hour yelling at those people because they got it wrong. Well, now my kid doesn't have dinner. I'm still mad and nothing has improved. Right. Your kid still isn't eating. Precisely. And this, this is very much, I think, a Dan Benjamin quit kind of point. Right. I mean, you know, it's... It's easy enough to sit around and bellyache about stuff and like why things are the way they are. But, and I'm not even saying you've got to go out and be Superman. I'm just saying like that you should accept, you should accept what the situation actually is, find out what the options are, and then be somewhat courageous about making a decision based on that. In that case of the airport, Dan, I I mean, it's just super dumb and frustrating. What I would tell myself is, this is not counsel to you, it's just a a thought. Like, you know what? You're not going to be there for six years. And you're probably, you're not going to be there for more than six years. You're not going to be there for less than two minutes. Now figure out what it's likely to be in between the order of magnitude and just deal. Like, why don't you go buy a book? Like, why don't you pull out a piece of paper and draw? Do something. And, you know, and if you really have to go make that flight, then do what it takes. Like, you know, get out your credit card and buy a different flight. If it's that important, take care of it. But like, don't just yell. Like yelling is, (laughs) you'd be better off to draw than to yell. Yeah. Yeah people good one yeah you want to button this up sure okay i love you love you too merlin man 